guys welcome to the generation z leadership podcast i'm your host jacob salguero today i'm with a special guest one of my best friends in this world he is an incredible leader incredible speaker uh has an incredible story and uh <laughs> incredible story and uh just tell him about yourself buddy projects i don't really know what to call them they were kind of nice kind of not but i was struggling mom mom had three other kids had a twin uh kind of forced to grow up on my own then got adopted by my by my aunt and uncle and that kind of really blessed my life and that kind of really just changed the, the entire course of my life and at the age of 19 I, I i met jesus come on and uh now we're here four or five years later talking about uh gen z leadership talking about culture talking about Whatever, whatever's on our hearts today, uh, but I'm super excited to be here. I'm really grateful for Jacob's presence in my life. He's been uh, absolutely one of my closest friends, one of my best friends. Low-key, he's my best man. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so today I think we're going to kind of hit the topic of what does anxiety and leadership have to do with each other when it comes to Gen Z? So we know that Gen Z is known as the most anxious generation. Um, we know that Gen Z, people call it the United States of anxiety. I think I've heard that multiple times. And I think past generations, millennials, I think they helped us against in the aspect of allowing the conversation of mental health to enter the church, right? Shout out to millennials for al allowing us to have the conversation of mental health in the church because we weren't having that conversation. It was pray the demons away. It was a uh, pray your anxiety away. And it was like, there was no, trust God enough. right, right. It was like, you don't trust God enough. You don't trust Jesus enough. You don't trust his word enough. And uh, he, they made it a faith issue and not a health issue. And I think for us, I think kind of what this conversation today, just how do we navigate our anxious generation how do we talk to them, us, us as Gen Z leaders and us Gen Z? How do we deal with our own personal anxiety, our own ter internal pressures, and how do we teach others? How do you lead through that? So I think my first question to answer is, like, how does anxiety play a part in Generation Z leadership? How sh should we enter conversations in our preachings? Should we enter conversations? Should we have classes? Should we have PDFs? Like, how do we start the conversation and how do we not make it kind of like, I, here's my thing. Like I, I, I understand that anxiety is real, but we know it can be healed, right? We believe in the power of healing. So let's not make it a, uh, something that's not like can be healed, but also something that some people have to walk through it. Right. Some people are going to have to walk through it with the counselor. So tell me like, what do you think are some ways, man, that people who are not Gen Z, how can they talk to Gen Z about anxiety and how can we walk through that season here in the church? I think we need to differentiate uh, anxiety from a standpoint of there's we have, anxiety is not a bad thing. Hmm. Anxiety is, is good. It's telling us that if the, we need to be urgent about, about something. And what happens is anxiety is, is, is pushing us towards something. So it's, it, what it really it is chemically in our brains is a fight or flight response. Right. Sometimes... You know, chemically, we have some chemical imbalances, and, you know, we, we can deal with that in various ways. But we have good anxieties. Come on. Like, 
I wake up in the morning for for example this morning I woke up this morning knowing that I had a test hmm. right that's good anxiety and it gave me it gave me I was a little anxious I was like man I, I don't know how I'm gonna do this test but that wasn't necessarily bad yeah right because I went to go take my test and I was like you know what I, I did all right right then there's anxieties of like oh I'm walking down the street and there's a guy behind me Hmm. If I was a girl, that would co- that would cause some anxiety. That would that would stress me out. Right. So it's not necessarily bad. It becomes a problem when it it, be, it hinders our everyday life, mm. where we can't do something because I'm too anxious mm. to do it. That's dope. Or it it prevents us from something that God has for us. Dope perspective. So anxiety, I think we need to remove this because it's been vil- like vilified. That's good. Is that a word? I think it's a word. I think it's a word. Vilified. It's, it's become like this evil thing. Oh, you can't, or anxiety is the end of end all, be all. No, no. Anxiety is just something we deal with on an everyday basis. Some of us have the capacity to deal with it better, and some mm. of us don't for a, a various amount of issues. Mm. But the, the, that's, that's the number one thing we need to do. We, we need to gain a new perspective on what anxiety is. Because mm. I deal with anxiety every day. Yep. You deal with anxiety every 100%, day, right? 100%. And how I deal with my anxiety is you know, different from how you deal with your anxiety. And your anxiety is caused by different things. Mm. My anxiety is caused by whatever. Right. You know? So we need to differentiate, okay, what is good pressure? What is what, good pressure? What is bad pressure? That's good. That's good. Does that make sense? Yeah. So having a conversation on what is bringing... Because pressure isn't necessarily bad. Right. You know, if we read in the Barna notes, uh, we'll see that, you know, there's we make an analogy to pressure creates diamonds. Hmm. Right. Good things come out of pressure. Yeah. But also it can spiral downward fast. To suicide. Yeah, to suicide. Uh, I'm I'm way too anxious. I can't do with this. I mm. can't deal with it. And the anxiety leads to depression. Depression leads to ultimately committing suicide, which is right. something we we don't want. Like I don't, I don't want to see right. our students go through that. I don't want to see any student go through that. I don't want to see anybody go through that. Hmm. So. The conversation that we should be having is what can we define, number one, is what is good pressure? Mm. What is bad? Mm. Does that make sense? That's good. That's good. You know, something that you were saying that I think is super dope is, like, fight or flight is something a part of our human nature. And I look at it as this, either react or respond, right? When we flight, it's a reaction. When we fight, it's a response. And I think it's like, okay, like, in our own personal anxieties and teaching, and especially with Gen Z, I think we need to teach Gen Z how to respond and not react. Yeah. Like we need to teach them, how do you respond to this situation? You have a test coming up, how do you respond study, right? Yeah. And like a lot of, I think something a lot of the older generation needs to teach our generation is practical stuff. Like for example, like, man, I didn't know how to do my taxes. <laughs> like bro, like I don't know like anything about property tax or whatever the case yeah. may be. And that gives people anxiety. Absolutely. Like our students right now have anxiety about being successful because they don't know how to manage money. They don't know how to. They don't know how to do anything. Like we don't know how to buy real estate. We don't know how to do any of this, right? Yeah. And it's because why? Like because no one's taught us. No one's taught us how to respond to life. It's always been a reaction to life, right? And I think of the church in the past. It's always been a response. Oh, you have anxiety? Go pray. Like like that should be your like that should be like praying is cool. So it's always been like a reaction. Reaction like yeah. go speak in tongues. Like that's your, that's the all. How that, is that practical to me? Right, and but how how can I respond? How did I think about that? Because here's the thing about response: response for ha, a, allows you to add a behavior, yeah. right? It becomes habit. I was about 
that. Right. It adds behavior, right? So if I responded to the situation, now suddenly I have this behavior attached to me. And it's like if I react to the situation, I may not know how to do that again. And we have to teach students how to self-sustain to defeat their daily anxiety. And something else, like, I think, like, there's pastors and leaders who are going to watch this, like, who are teaching to Gen Z and talking to Gen Z. I think we need to talk about how do we teach people to show that anxiety is a proof of God. That we, like, anxiety shows us that we do have purpose. The fact that we want to fight and the fact that we want to flight is a proof that there is a future and that there is a God and there is a purpose, right? It is a proof that this survival nature, like why would we want to survive if our life had no meaning? And I think when we show like students in us, like our generation, like this anxiety actually proves that God loves you. And it's like, like wait, what? but it's true. Like you wouldn't want to fight if there wasn't a purpose. Like you wouldn't want to run if there was no, if there was no purpose ahead of you. And like, and again, like, going back to like this Barner research, it's talking about the pressure, internal pressure to be successful and internal pressure to be perfect. And that's the idea. Like I failed my test, now I have anxiety about the next test because I'm not hitting that or perfection. Or my parents going to think when I get home. Or, right. Or it could be all sorts of things. Or my friends think I'm dumb. Yep, yep. Because I failed the test. Well, maybe you're bad at math, bro, and you need tutoring. <laughs> right, right. It's not that big of a, right. you know, like there's, there's practical ways to deal with right. what's happening. Right. You know, I mean, I, a lot of times... It becomes uh, we we start thinking about things like it's, it becomes impractical. Well, mm. like and you said you said to yourself, well, you're an, you're anxious, go pray about it. Now, as much as I I do believe in prayer, and we I, we're we are for prayer, and, I, and I'm for prayer, bro. You know, like my girl the other day was like, bro, you've been anxious all day. Like, have you have you even thought about praying about it? I'm like, yeah, bro, chill. Why you why you preaching to me? But. It's like it was it was practical in the moment because we had already walked through why I was anxious and the steps the steps that I can do to solve that problem to respond to that situation. Right. And I was still anxious, like you know what? Maybe I maybe I do need to talk to God about it, which that's practical. Yep. But a lot of the stuff is, I mean, you're right. Like the taxes stuff. How how do I become successful? Mm. Why is Jake Logan Paul a millionaire and all he does is mean people? Like I want to do that. Right. Like, Am I, does that mean I'm not creative? Like, if I don't become, like, super famous, does that mean I'm not successful? No. So, so there's a lot of external things that are creating internal pressure yeah. that we, we need to learn how to be like, hey, that doesn't matter. Mm. Okay. Bella is better at science than me or whatever it might be. Or they're, they're a much better communicator than me. Right. Like, I cannot add, you cannot continually add external pressure and it, it it transform into being internal. Right. And a lot of it, I think a lot of anxiety comes from this comparison. Mm. We want to, we want to look like somebody else when that wasn't necessarily what we were called to look like. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. And I think, man, just something practical for pastors. Um, when we're preaching and communicating, this is super, like super intense, like super intentional. Don't compare your life to their life. And I think this is very practical. Like, as a Gen Z, I don't want to hear that you got up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., you read seven books, then you, like, made a smoothie, went to the gym, and then you prayed. Like, that's cool. Like, but now now there's pressure in my life. Like, do I need to do that to be like you? To be, like, and the things, like, especially with youth ministry, this is going to sound so weird, but, like, we are the representatives representatives of God to our students. We are the represent representative of God to their parents, right? 
And it's like, okay, if I'm preaching, oh yeah, I pray 20 times a day and they're only preaching one time a day. And it's like, how do I get there? And you're not telling them there's a more internal pressure. And like stu- our students, like two and five Gen Z are like, feeling extremely pressured. Like our, and I feel it too. I can feel like the pressure externally, like from the world, like Kylie Jenner, 21 billionaire, yeah. like kids, 15, making five mil off of Fortnite. So I feel like, man, our generation is really pressured to feel successful. And now it's like, okay, as a pastor, I don't need to point them to me and how I did it. I need to point them to Jesus because God, we we are made to be like Jesus, right? We were created to be like Jesus. And how can I teach? I think something strategically you can do is write your sermons to strategically point them, one, obviously to Jesus, but obviously point them practically on what Jesus did and how he lived. And when you do that and you don't do your own life, it's going to relieve pressure off of you and pressure off of them. And, um, one thing, like, we're not saying, like, anxiety is, like, not killed by the presence of God. That's not true. Like, the presence of God is important, and it's true. But here's the question, like, not every student in your youth ministry, not every young adult in your young adult group believes in Jesus, right? Yeah. Not every, and, like, perfect story, like, I remember when I was pastoring, and this new kid came straight up from the street, never been in church before, and I said, hey, man, I'm the youth pastor. He's like, what's a pastor? And I'm like, like I'm sitting back like, oh, like this guy doesn't know what a pastor is. And like the unchurched and you and all they're hearing about your church is the answer to anxiety is to go speak in tongues. And they're like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. what does it mean? Am I like, am I French kissing? Do you, you get what I mean? They're like, so like, I think you should shift your focus when you're talking about anxiety, when we're talking about mental health, when you're talking about a lot of subjects, say, does this make sense to an unbeliever? Yeah. Like, is this language helping unbelievers? And I think maybe that's why your, your youth group's not growing. <laughs> maybe that's why your young adult group's not growing. It's because not you're, it's not practical. And you're, the language you're carrying, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I think, man, pastor, leader, please, 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 please. One, become practical. Teach me. Don't teach me what to do. Teach me how to do it. Yeah. Like, guide me through on how do I grow my prayer life? How do I defeat anxiety? How show me the how and when you show me the how and you show me the why then i can get the what yeah i think something that i've been learning a lot about is like this critical thinking skills i think a lot of times which just i'll, I'll weave it into right now um we forget that practicality isn't necessarily a simple thing mm. it's sometimes it, it becomes something we need to actually think about right and a lot of times when i i, I for example, in my life, when I perceive something, well, there's Travis Scott making a new shoe with Nike, and he's my age. Hmm. Bro, he used to go to the same school as me. Hmm. Right? I'm like, bro, like that could have been me. Right. Right? But the, that that thinking is not practical. Right? Like, I, I necessarily didn't have the giftings, or I didn't spend 40 hours a day in my room making beats and trying to rap. Hmm. You know, that's not practical. Right. But when we make something practical, we actually have to think like we need. I think something that I've been doing is I've been analyzing my thought process, mm. and that actually decreases my anxiety. Mm. So when I sit down, I'm like, okay, I had this thought. Let me critically think about this thought. Let me really, really dive into what this thought means and how it got here, and let me dissect it. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Let Let me really think about 
this exact thought that made me, or this situation that made me so anxious? Mm. Is it really the end of the world if X, Y, and Z don't happen? Right. Am I really going to be homeless tomorrow? Right. Does that make sense? Right, right. And this dope is like, I hear it from boomers all the time. Like, why do they have anxiety? Like, why? And I think, yeah, that's a great question. They don't know either. Yeah, like we don't like understand. we don't understand either like and the uh, and that's like, that goes back to the pressure thing like man it goes back to the pressure thing like we don't know how to navigate life yeah. like we really don't because one we grew up on a digital age so now we have more information exposed to us at a younger age that creates anxiety that which creates anxiety like man i just saw george floyd get killed in on my phone <laughs> i'm a minority like, I didn't grow up in, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then I have the church arguing about Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. And I'm like, bro, I, I just don't know. I don't understand why a man's being killed on my phone. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's that internal pressure again. Like, like God, like, how how do we navigate that? How do we navigate that? So, I mean, as a leader, a, a couple things, a couple key points I just want to point out until we can, after, um, and then we can continue. Like, one is teach, first of all, relieve pressure by showing them Jesus. Like, just preach Jesus. I think the church culture before millennials or even after millennials, like it's we added pressure, like the pressure to have more faith, the pressure to have more prayer, the pressure to like, you're not worshiping enough. You're not, you're not praying enough. You're not doing this enough. Right. 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 And what, what is enough time? Right. Like all day will still be not enough. That's another conversation, but like, I'm not saying not to challenge or call up your students or call out your students. I'm not saying that I'm saying, are you doing it in a healthy way? Yeah. Like I'm. Are you helping your students cope healthy? Exactly. What the conversation should be about instead of saying, "Well, you just need to pray more. You need to have more faith." Yep. No, and if if I'm being honest, bro, I think all pastors should be well-rounded in all subjects. I agree. Does that make sense? I agree. And this this being at the top of the list because of where we're at in society right now. Right. You should be you should be reading article after article after article about from coming from all sorts of fields of study mm. about how to handle mental health issues right right because if you don't you're not gonna you're not gonna be practical about it yeah you're you're your only and i'm not saying it's wrong your only source your only point of view your only view is going to be biblical which is correct which is which is the truth that we believe in right but how do how do i make sense of this truth and also of something that's practical that's happening in the world that i know is helping people Right, right. And that goes to my point. Like, So my first point was obviously relieve pressure. And my second thing is to speak and think practically. So one is to relieve pressure. Second is to, to think and speak practically. And what? And I love what you were saying because my generation, Gen Z, is the first ever, the first ever post-church generation. Yeah. We're the first generation that didn't grow up in the church did not grow up in a religious world. Like we're the first generation not to do that, right? So we're the first generation to be like, oh, maybe it's okay not to go to church. But like before it was like, that's a heresy, right? Like like our generation was the first, like I could just go to church online. Yeah. Like we were the first to do that. Like we were the first to go through this. So I think as Gen Z, we're reading more. Like we're reading more statistics more than the Bible. Like we're reading more articles and stuff on Twitter and like, information we're reading these things and it's like you're preaching the bible which i'm okay with like obviously preach the bible yes but the bible without clear cultural re- relevance to me is just noise 
and I've noticed that with my generation. It's like, cool, Psalms 24, it says, who is the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, who will ascend the hill. What does that mean? Like, I, I want to kill myself. What does it mean? Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, how does that relate to me right now today? And I think Jesus did the perfect thing when he talked about all his parables related to things that they were going through in those times, in those days. So, like, leader, be super practical. Yeah. Like, please, like, my generation needs to know why is this ancient text that we know is inspired by God that changed generations, that's established civilizations, like, that's changed my life and your life. We know, like, the text is inspired by God. But, like, how is this relevant to me right now? And if we can do that to my generation, if we can show that this text actually improves your life, yeah. other than just like, oh, it's whatever. And I'm not saying not to preach the Bible. Like, please don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, that would be a meme. I would not do that. But at the same time, I'm like, man, don't just quote the Bible and forget culture and forget yeah. these things, right? That's yeah. it, those two extremes. So well, I, I don't know if it was, I, had, I had the conversation with you or with somebody else where I was talking that there's so much information. Yeah. And the Bible is chock full of information. So many golden nuggets, bro. Like there's that just one sentences, one word, and you can do word studies. And there's so much, there's so much knowledge that are just packed into the pages of the Bible. Right. That I, I think at one point it can get overwhelming. Right. Right. But at, on the on the other side of the token, there's a lot of information that we're getting. Our our generation is getting. Bro, I can pull up my phone and go on Twitter right now and read a, a an article will pop up about. Some new shoe dropping, right? Or and, Trump, or Trump, or or uh, George Floyd case, or that Kyle Rittenman guy. You know, right, like, right, right. I, I can I can find articles, article after article, read after read after read after read, and all that becomes information in my head. Yep. But if I don't know how to practically sift through that information using what I know about Jesus, wow, it doesn't make any sense, and it's going to cause more anxiety. Right. So how? So the question then becomes. How do we teach our students to sift through information that's obviously causing anxiety? That we're we're seeing ourselves compared to other people. We're we're doing all these things that are obviously causing more anxiety. How do we practically help them cope? Right is the question. Yeah, and our generation sees the Bible as just information, and that's interesting, right? Because just like the Kyle Ritterman case, just like all these things I see on and New York Times, all these things I see, these are just information. Yeah. But I love the Bible because the Bible is information applied, right? I believe the Bible is information that can change you, right? It's I think it's soul information, right? It affects your mind, will, and emotions, right? It's it's a soul. It helps your soul, and I think, man, like like I said, like our first point obviously was like help relieve external pressure. Then the second one was it starts to think and speak practically, and I pray like in your sermons you study as hard on your Wednesdays as you would study if you were preaching on Sunday at Elevation with Stephen Furtick. And I think that's... that important? Because it's that important. important. And the thing is, because we're post-church, right? Our generation is post-church. We've heard it all. Like, we know. Like, we know, like, oh, Jesus is whatever. Like, we know. Like, we we can watch the best sermons on YouTube. Like, so what makes you different? Like, and that's the thing. Like, what's going to make us different? What youth leaders need today is that they're speaking practically. And that, like, I'm not saying there's no spirit. Like, don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is compassion. Yeah, compassion is going to be the key ingredient to seeing our generation saved. I think practically, man, practically, 
being compassionate is practically taking your time, studying the Bible, studying research, studying information that can be applicable to our generation. That's what we're asking for. We're not saying stop preaching the gospel. We're not saying to stop um, preaching the Bible. But what we're saying is, can you show me? Can you show me how that applies to my life? Can you understand what I'm going through? Yeah, and I think if once we have that perspective, I think Gen Z can find love for the church. I mean, we're we're finding love for all kinds of groups to help us cope with our anxiety. We're finding all kinds of uh, Facebook groups and all kinds of Instagram groups and like social media. Like we're finding ways to cope. Why can't the church be the place to cope? And I think, hey, if you're a, a leader, a, a older leader, a boomer, or even a, a, a millennial leader, like find ways to teach your youth pastor to be practical in this sense. If one in four of your Gen Z students and young adults are dealing with anxiety on a daily basis, we need to be talking about it. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And we're actually one of the largest demographics. And we're talking about a large demographic is dealing with anxiety every day. And we're not practically teaching them. We're just saying to go pray about it and speak in tongues. And this all comes from comes from a space when I saw a story on a church's Instagram, a really popular church Instagram in Fort Worth. And they, they asked the pastor, like, how do I deal with my anxiety? And the, the pastor put it on the public story. Go into your closet and speak in tongues. Is this the church? Is this what I think? Probably, but was not, we're not going to call him out here. And what got me started was what got me started is actually one of my youth students saw that post and she's like she got so angry and she was actually hurt by it because she's like I deal with anxiety every day I do speak in tongues I am baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're saying that's the way to solve it like how do I help my friends and the thing is I need you to understand this <laughs> I'm ready to speak Jesus came to seek and save which was lost right so if he came to seek and save which was lost, what that means is that despite the Bible is not just for believers. This is, this is, go, the, go, do it, do it, do it. but the Bible is not just for believers. It's for unbelievers too. It's for humanity. The Bible is not just for believers. It's for humanity. And that humanity can see who God is and who can see what they are. And through the scripture, we can see anxiety for both believers and unbelievers. And when you go out and you say, oh, just pray about it and speak in tongues about it, then it's going to be fine. How does that relate to an unbeliever? God, God has created a solution through anxiety, which is Christ himself. And there's practical ways all through the scripture to deal with it. And I think if we were teaching people that, that can turn to pointing to the gospel. And the gospel could turn to a whole total transformation. Where I went from coping to anxiety until anxiety is finally gone. I think a lot of the, what bonus points and like a bonus feature of this podcast, I think a lot of times our generation, even our generation, generation, just the generation before us, the millennials will ask, well, what does God know? What does Jesus know about being hmm. depressed? He was God's son. Hmm. And I, that's absolutely true. He was God's son. Yeah. But he's also the essence of what it means to be human. Hmm. The very essence of what it means to be human. The man had external pressure, internal pressure, not only to be God's son, but he had a mission to go to the cross. Hmm. You talking about pressure, bro? Hmm. The man, the man was so anxious, he sweat blood. Hmm. 
Are you like that's that's pressure? Wow. So if there's anybody who can understand how you're feeling, it's Jesus Himself. Hmm. Wow. So I, I I I find it difficult to for pastors to sit here and be like, "Well, just pray more." I'm like, "Bro, the man we're preaching about hmm. understood how." Your student is feeling how somebody in your congregation hmm. is feeling and what they're going through. Wow. And he understood it to a T. Hmm. Don't you think it's your responsibility to also understand it too? And with that, we end our Gen Z leadership <laughs> podcast. Three points, remember, be practical, relieve internal pressure. And I think our third point is point people to Jesus. Okay? Love you guys. See y'all soon.